thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And oh my stars, <laughs> we have a very spunky guest on with us today. We are very excited because just reading through the backstory of our amazing guest today, Daryl Edwards. He is a, um, oh, what would you call him? He's like a fitness coach and a fitness trainer. But I'm reading his backstory here. And Daryl comes from an investment banking background where he was kind of chained to his seat. And it spurred Daryl on to transform his own health and his own well-being. And we're going to kind of go through his, his, his background as to how he's actually gotten to today. But one of the things that I'm just so excited about talking to Daryl about is what he's developed as a result of his own personal experiences, which again is one of my favorite ways that people move through this beautiful experience called life is where our own personal experiences drive our offering to the world. And Daryl has created a, a methodology called Primal Play. Now, ladies, sit back because this is going to be a fabulous, fabulous podcast. And Kimmy is already in fine form based on our conversation prior to the opening. But we are so excited to have you on the show and to really explore more about what Primal Play is and Animal Moves. Oh, it's all going to get hot and heavy from here. I love it. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Daryl. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you so much. Daryl, just intro. before we get into this, I just want to, <laughs> oh, there, was no, there was no pre-warning. There was no kind of, did you actually know what you were getting into when you had the three of us um, <laughs> inquire about interviewing you? I mean, did you really know what you were up for? I, I, I had no idea, but given that <laughs> I, I did spend uh, almost two years living in Australia, so, yeah. so that's probably enough forewarning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I've spent some time with you, Ozzy. I know what you like. You've, you've met Kimmy's kind before. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Even though she is a key, a kiwi. A kiwi. Oh, she a is. Oh, well, yes. Okay. I so has she acclimatised yet to, to Australia? <laughs> I'm not sure I ever will, Daryl, because okay. I, I I still get confused with um the word six and sex, and so sometimes apparently I get misinterpreted, <laughs> and different things occur that I shouldn't be inquiring. But but speaking of all things, um, sexual, sensual, and everything else, you're very hot, Daryl. I mean, there's just I just have to put it out there. It's there. You're very hot. You're gorgeous. You have the most amazing voice. You've got an incredible body. And I would just love to know how we got to be so privileged to have you on this show. What led you to where you are today? Could you give us a little bit of about your history and how you got to being here? Yeah. So, um, well, firstly, uh, thank you again, once again, for a great introduction. Uh, I, I don't know who you, you, you know, I was wondering who you were talking about then, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, in all seriousness, I got into this lifestyle uh, about 15 years ago. Um, I used to work within investment banking, within technology, and uh, it was a very lucrative job. 
but extremely demanding. And I was working up to an average probably 15 hours a day, every single day of the week. Um, and I had responsibility <clears throat> for uh, a project that ran across the entire world. So London-based, but the systems are running in, in New York, in Hong Kong, uh, and Sydney. Um, and so I'd be kind of point person for any issues that occurred at any time of the day. So you can imagine sort of finishing work at seven in the evening. I'd get home. I may get a call a couple of hours later, uh, and I may continue working until the early hours. Um, you know, getting to get to bed at one, two in the morning. I may get another call at five, and then I may be asked why I'm not in the office at six thirty, uh, <laughs> even though I've been up half the night. So, so that was the environment that I was in. Very sedentary. You know, not eating well. Uh, highly stressed. And one year I had an annual health check and my doctor told me I was pre-diabetic. I had chronic hypertension, high blood pressure. Uh, I had a really poor lipid profile. So, you know, really bad cholesterol profile, high elevated triglycerides. And the solution by my doc was, don't worry, Mr. Edwards, you can take some statins for your uh, elevated risk of heart, heart disease, cardiovascular disease. Uh, we can give you some beta blockers for your blood pressure. We can give you some metformin for your, to control your blood, your blood sugars. And as well as that, I was suffering from a lot of pain because I, I had regular low back pain. So I had chronic low back pain. And I was also wearing knee supports as well. So I'd often wear a back brace and I was also wearing knee supports. So when my doctor presented this cocktail of meds, um, my main concern was the fact that what, what the side effects would be. So I was like, okay, these meds are likely to help, but what are the side effects? And I'm really concerned about those. And that concern uh, made me reject taking the meds and to seek out if lifestyle could, could be useful. And within, you know, within about a few short weeks, actually, there was a significant difference in my health profile. So one of the things I was aware about back then was that exercise would be beneficial for blood pressure. So that's all I knew about any lifestyle intervention was just that fact. And so within a, within a few weeks of me exercising, my blood pressure came down and was, op, you know, and was optimized. And so I was like, okay, wow, well, this, is, this has been, this is good intervention. What else, what else can I do? So that led me to think about other lifestyle changes like improving my diet. I was like, okay, if I'm exercising, maybe I need to start thinking about the food I should be eating to support that. So I had a book by Lauren Cordain, which I call a, a shelf help book. It was on my shelf for ages and I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really paid much attention to it. But this book called The Paleo Diet spoke about eating foods that uh, are more akin to our, to our nature. Um, uh, um, to our ancestry, and and uh, and that's what led me uh, down the path of improving my diet and thinking much more about living a more natural lifestyle. Um, and in terms of the blood tests, my health markers improved significantly. So I was no longer pre-diabetic. I was no longer suffering from chronic pain, um, and it was a miraculous recovery within a few short months. So I didn't have to take any medication. 
and uh, my doctor was quite fascinated at, at, at what I'd done. And, and so that led me on to thinking about what the underlying mechanisms. Why has this lifestyle changed, been so successful? And how can I actually learn more about this so I can teach others how to do the same? So that's, I suppose, uh, 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 you know, a summary as to, to where I started and 15 years on where I'm at now in terms of developing the Primal Play methodology and teaching people how to live and integrate this lifestyle uh, into, into whatever, into however they live. So how do we take the best of the past in terms of modeling our, our ancestors into the 21st century? You know, Daryl, I can't even imagine because I've, I've met you and I've been in, in um, your community in, in London and, and watched what you do. And I, I can't even imagine you being boxed up in the financial world. <laughs> I, I yeah, just, I mean, I was, yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit of a, I was a bit of a geek, to be honest. So, what, what, you know, when I was a, I was a geek um, and, I mean, imagine just being cooped up, surrounded by computer screens <laughs> uh, and, you know, lunch would be, somebody bring a sandwich to your desk you'd, you know you'd order someone to get you a sandwich um and because you wouldn't want to leave your desk i mean even going to the toilet was a mission because you'd be like i can't you know if i step away something might happen you know you felt i felt so important uh to the to the, the operation of the bank um the, the systems are working on were making so much generating so much revenue so you felt there was a high level of self-importance and the bank you know they made you you, you would definitely uh, sacrifice your pound of flesh, that's for sure. Mm. That, you know, they, they worked really hard. So I suffered the consequences. Um, and, and as I, you know, when you're told at a relatively young age that you're suffering with all of these issues, which you would, I would have associated with somebody far older, I was like, what the heck is going on? And my doctor said, well, you know, you've, you've got some issues, uh, you know, with, with your family, you know, your immediate family in relation to high blood pressure and, and heart disease and the like. So it's genetic. There's not really much you can do about it. You're just unfortunate to have to suffer it early, early on. And now, of course, I know that that wasn't the case, that those issues weren't predominantly genetic. They were epigenetic. They were, they were based on how I was living my life. And so even staying within the banking environment for several years after that, um, I was able to, to have healthy annual health checks even though I was still living within that environment. And I think that was also important as well. I didn't just exit and decide to become a monk, you know, um, and, and live a perfect lifestyle. Yeah. I was still able to, to have my career uh, uh, within banking, but, but change my diet, ch you know, change my approach to movement, think about other lifestyle factors that were important. And that transition, you know, in terms of learning more about what I wanted to, you know, what I wanted to do to improve my own health meant that I had to support that by learning more about it. So I didn't want to advise people without actually having an understanding uh, of nutrition, say, you know, why are you eating this? Um, I don't really know. It just works for me. It wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, people wanted to know, well, why? Tell us about the science. Tell us about why you believe this is beneficial. So, you know, I became a nutritional therapist. I started, you know, becoming more passionate about movement, more so than nutrition. And I recognized that movement actually probably has a is is probably the, the poor relation to to uh to nutrition in the in the lifestyle sense um you know movement tends to be about oh yeah it can help you get fit it's great to be you know it'll, it will get you healthy but we don't really understand why 
just do it's important enough to do but i wanted to know well what are the underlying mechanisms that make movement uh, life enhancing you know why how does it change our physiology to ensure that it supports healthy lifestyle practices why what does it do so that's the kind of area of research i got into um and that's what i speak about in my, in my work providing that sort of evidence base and how there's a synergy between good food and whole, you know, real food and movement. So, so if you can start speaking about movement in the sense that it's like good nutrition, uh, you know, there is a way of ensuring you have the right uh, nutrients <laughs> from a movement perspective. You know, the type of movements you do all have a different benefit. So it's almost like saying, um, like an avocado, for example, you know, you, there's no way, even as healthy as an avocado is, you would mandate that just eating avocados all day, every day would be the best way for you to maintain, you know, a well-balanced diet. You know, you, that, that wouldn't be the case. We recognize that we need a, f- a great array of micronutrients and, and, you know, vitamins and minerals that come from a, a wide array of sources. And it's similar with movement. We can't just do cardio. We can't just do resistance training. We can't just work at the same intensity. You know, there's a lot that comes from movement, um, which is extremely important both for the mind and the body. So it's been an interesting journey uh, um, from 15 plus years ago to where I am now. And I feel highly privileged to be able to share what only happened to me, but also um, what people can do practically to inform themselves about movement and the, the powers of movement and why movement is medicine. Yeah. In your book, Animal Moves, you know, the front cover is you out in nature. And what has happened, like in the nutrition world, I think there's a real awakening about we've got to go um, real foods, whole foods, organic. You know, we have to start going that way. But with the, new, mm. the movement world, I don't think we've progressed past being in a gym, lifting weights and, um, you know, like being under blue lights. And, we were, you know, we were basically talking um, about a comment that I had seen on social media which said a workout that is done under blue light or mm. EMF is a workout that does not work out for our mitochondria as nature intended it. And, and, and food is going back to the historical perspective of how did we eat then? And I feel like you're doing that for movement. I think you're, you know, you're in the forerunner of this. You are the, in the leading edge. You're the first one I ever came across, even though I love it. I go, Karen, Kim and I, we, we go two weeks and go hiking or, you know, we've been mm. in Andes, we, we've done New Zealand, we're, we're about to do Tasmania. So we know how good it makes us feel. But can you give us that, that why we should do what you're talking about and, you know, the historical perspective of, of what it is, which is animal moves. It's, they are animal moves. They're not these moves that we wouldn't normally do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, we thinking about our evolution, our ancestry. Uh, you know, we evolved in nature, so so the foods that we ate, um, be, you know, become became us, affected our our DNA, led to our survival, brought us to present day. And if we deviate from what from nature's provision in terms of food, that leads to ill health. 
you know, so we know, you know, we know food is medicine. And if we choose the right foods, we're more likely to be healthy. And it's exactly the same in relation to movement, but not only doing movement, but the environment that you do it in. So there are far more benefits. If I, if I run indoors on a treadmill uh, and I run out, outdoors, there are significant differences between the two. So even running at exactly the same speed, mm. getting the same, um, um, you know, running at the same pace, the same speed for 30 minutes, say, on a treadmill, doing exactly the same outdoors, there are significantly more benefits, even from your, the improvements in fitness being outside. So just talking about the obvious. Uh, so one, the difference in terrain being outdoors as opposed to on a treadmill. So that uh, has a significant difference to how it affects your physio- you know, physiologically. So uh, wind resistance. So just running against the wind uh, increases the amount of oxygen intake. Um, the, the wind resistance means you're getting a, a greater impact on your cardiovascular system just because of that fact. Third, if you're running, say, in the summer, if you're getting access to vitamin D, that's also a benefit which you're not going to be getting if you're indoors. So that has in- incredible amounts of benefit on your immune system, for example, immune regulation. And finally, which is something people may not be aware of, uh, we, we are, we've been termed as biophilic uh, creatures. So uh, Ed, Ed Wilson uh, wrote a book and he discussed something called biophilia, which is human's innate ability to love nature. You know, this uh, attraction to, to the natural en- environment. And so there's lots of research uh, about... The, say the color green in nature. So if you just look at, at trees in nature, look at the color green in nature, you actually have a stress reduction response. It lowers your blood pressure. It, it boosts or improves your immune system, the immune system regulation. So there's lots of research actually emerging about being within a natural environment. So it's far more potent than just the fact that you're avoiding you know, uh, you know, a natural light. Um, it's, it's, it's more important than just the fact, you know, what's happening in terms of kind of your, your circadian rhythms. Um, just being outside is, is an antidote to a lot of the ailments that we, that we suffer from. So I, um, I wouldn't want to discourage anyone from moving because I believe being sedentary is the worst possible state. You know what I mean? So, so if somebody's like, oh, I can't exercise outside, I can only be indoors, so I'm not going to exercise is not what I would suggest. I would say just move in the first place and then the, but the ideal environment would, would be for us to move outdoors. It's far more interesting, it's a much more varied environment and it's more helpful. So yes, so it's extremely important for us to, to access nature when we can. We feel better. You know, as you say, going hiking, you know, we, we're attracted to a natural environment. And so I live in a big city but fortunately have access to London is one of the, the kind of greenest cities in the world in terms of our access to park. It's almost 50%, almost 50% of London uh, green spaces. So I have lots of parks nearby, which fortunately aren't, aren't manicured. So they're quite, you know, <laughs> and there's rocks and there's kind of, you know, logs everywhere and, and, um, and you almost feel as if you're in the middle of the country. So I spend most of my movement time in that environment. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic. 
Daryl, would you say then from a point of view of, of exercise or movement, functional movement, do you think, I'd just love your opinion, what do you think is more important, nutrition or movement? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, <laughs> well I'm, I'm, yeah, so do you know what? I would, say, I would say movement is more important. And it's quite, it is quite controversial because um, <laughs> the reason I would say this is purely from a, from a common sense point of view. And if we are referencing our evolutionary heritage, if we are, if we are accessing using our, uh, our ancestries as a reference, then the ability for humans to access nourishing foods was based on our ability to move. So we, you know, we, we weren't, uh, our environments weren't rich with food sources uh, within a few centimeters from our hab- habit, you know, our habitat. We had to walk significant distances. We had to burn a significant amount of calories to hunt and gather foods and scavenge foods. That's what we had to do. So the priority for us as a, as a species was our ability to move to be able to access, you know, the best of our environment. And of course, now, arguably, we've, we, uh, we exploit the environment significantly. But in terms of our natural state, our ability to move, our ability to move as generalists, um, our ability to be nomadic, meant we were able to access resources, food resources that are, that's, that are it's helpful. So, so I think now in the 21st century where movement has been engineered out of our environment, you know, we convenience means we don't even have to walk. We can, I could stay in my, in my, stay on my sofa all day, be entertained, communicate with people across the world like yourselves, (laughs) you know, uh, have, have, have relationships, order food, get food delivered. I mean, pretty much I can do, I can work sitting on my sofa so we in many respects in the 21st century we don't have to move to survive but there was a point in time in human history where without movement we wouldn't be we weren't able to survive so so i i would say movement is is more important or it's it's, it's, it's equally as important as food and i would arguably say it's more important because if you can't move yeah we can't access food. Well, you if you're thrown onto a desert island, you know, if you're thrown onto a desert island uh, <laughs> and, um, and you can't move, mm. then you're, you're going to perish very, very quickly. Uh, if My you grandma get always island, said, Daryl, that you have to, you should always squat. Her, her words were always, just do your squats every day. And, I, and at one point I remember saying to her, why are you so big on squats? And she said, because the day you need help going to the toilet is is a is a is a sad day indeed and i've never forgotten it around just squatting just for that basic functional um activity that we do on a daily basis and i don't know if you know a, a man called marcus pierce daryl but he's one of our close friends who does a lot of podcasting he lives by what he calls the exceptional life blueprint and in fact he thinks number one most important thing is life purpose having a purpose Mm. in life number two is exercise and movement number three is your social life and number four 
is nutrition. And I think you hit the nail on the head there that at least when we're moving, we can create or hunt or find or make good food. Um, and therefore, yes. I really love what you're saying. And I mean, I, I know we've got Cindy, who's obviously very big with food and everything is around food for her, but I'm, I'm sure she would agree she would rather be able to move to get food than have to have <laughs> food brought to her. <laughs> yes. And, and if you think about here, I mean, think about this. Think about the, the, the process uh, of conception, right? So reproduction. Movement is extremely important, right? And yes, highly pleasurable. Daryl, now that you that. I knew yeah. this was going to happen. Right. Yeah. right. Um, think about, think about the, the process of birthing. You know, oh, we we're know, thinking. You know, we know it's more beneficial for a baby to go you know, down the birth canal and, and to pick up all that beneficial bacteria than it is to have a cesarean from a cesarean section, for example. Right? So that process of movement and striving and fighting for, for, you know, to be, for, you know, both from the female perspective and the child, you know, it, it's movement is extremely important and it's vital for, for life. Um, and even once the baby's born, right, even though baby has limited uh, ability in terms of, you know, movement from a fully fledged adult's point of view, you know, the process of feeding, you know, movements, movements required, right? So, I mean, it's it, it, all very subtle. Uh, but extremely important, extremely vital for life. It's fundamental for life, you know, the feeding process. Uh, so, you know, so, so for me, I, I, I tend to look at this from what's extremely obvious and something that we probably dismiss uh, as not being that important. It just happens, but it, it, it's, it's happened for a reason. You know, it's happened because nature has dictated this is the way, uh, you know, we survive, um, you know, this has led to our survival. So, so yeah, movement is extremely important and that's not pushing out any other lifestyle intervention as being, uh, as not being important because they, they all obviously are, but, um, but, you know, even looking at thinking about our sense of purpose, again, if you are talking about a survival point of view, our sense of purpose would be to build shelter, to protect our, 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 you know, our family, to be able to access food and resources, you know, that's, you know, that's the kind of bottom of the, the the hierarchy of needs right you know that we have to we have to satisfy our survival in instincts um then you can start focusing on what else gives us joy um, and purpose so when you think about movement in that sense you talk you are then talking about say recreational activities like dancing and like and playing you know um why did humans you know why do all mammals actually decide to take part in activities which aren't just around getting food and reproduction, you know, <laughs> uh, and building shelter and, and the like. We take part in lots of other recreational activities that are fun in relation to movement, you know. So, yeah, so, so movement is just really pivotal uh, to, our, to our DNA. And, and that's not even discussing a lot of the science around movement as well. So one thing I definitely want to mention around the science is the gut microbiome. So there's interesting research that the more aerobically fit you are based on your VO2 max, which is a, a marker of, of kind of cardiovascular fitness, um, a, a set of rugby players were, were in a study. So they were controlled for diets, they're controlled for other lifestyle, you know, for age, for, for you know, everything else you can think of within, within a, a rugby team. 
and they found that the fittest rugby players had a 20% increase in volume and diversity of health-promoting bacteria. And that was based on the, their VO2 max. So even control for diet, there were improvements over and above that based on the amount of movement they were undertaking, um, which, is, which, is, which is quite fascinating. So, so even for those who are, who are thinking about enriching their, their gut flora, movement also plays a part. Do you think that the rugby players being outside for most of the, the time, you know, you, you yes. in Australia, they're always outside, they're on the grass, they're, they're everywhere. Do you think that that has a big thing to do with it um, as well, well with it, their microbiome? I, I, for sure, because obviously you're going to be accessing soil-based organisms for one, so that plays a part. But the, but the, the, fascinating, the fascinating thing is that they all had this, um, uh, the control group being rugby players eliminates the just being outside yeah, true. point, point mm. right? So, yeah, so, they, so they, actually, uh, they actually looked at, you know, rugby players and non-rugby players initially, and, and the suggestion was, well, okay, look, their nutrition is going to be better, right, because they're going to be focusing on obviously good food because they want to perform well, right? They're also outdoors, which means, and they're, they're outdoors in the dirt, oftentimes, which means they're going to be accessing soil-based organisms. So that's, uh, that's obviously the reason why. So that's, that's when they actually created this uh, the, the, um, a, a rugby player-only study. So then they, they eliminated the differences based on environments because they were all outdoors. They were all training pretty much the same. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. yeah so these are prof- these are professional rugby players, um, but but even within a rugby team, there are different demands depending on your position. So there are some rugby players that are that are far fitter, they're more active within that within that environment than than others within that team. And so this VO two max, which is your ability to process oxygen, that's what the marker is. Um, your aerobic capacity uh, has a an associate correlation with with more diversity. Of um, of health promoting bacteria, so it's very fascinating, and, and I mean, I kind of geek out. I geek out on this, and it's useful. It's useful to discuss this because for someone who's thinking, okay, oh, it's just about kimchi and kombucha and probiotics, you know, it's like, well, hold on a second. Actually, just going outside, playing in the dirt, you know, as a kid, is a really important part of you enriching your gut flora. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As not being so obsessed with hygiene. hygiene is also important. Um, but going outdoors and improving your level of fitness, cardiovascular fitness is also important. So, yeah. Now, um, what you've developed is something called Primal Play. And I, I was very fortunate to be um, at Dr. Terry Wall's conference, not this year, but the year before. And I noticed you were there this year as well, Daryl. And um, we got to have a session um, whoever was attending got to have a session. So I came and had a session with you. Can you explain um, what is Primal Play all about? Like what, what do you base it on? Um, you know, yeah. And we did it inside because was it cold? No, it was the summer, wasn't it? So it wasn't it was cold, a, but we did do it inside. Yeah. yeah. We did it indoors, yeah. So, I mean, Primal Play is really uh, a way to inspire children of all ages. So, you know, from four to 94, to, to have fun with movement. <laughs> so so uh, <clears throat> we can all pretty much remember the experience of movement as children when it was all about joy. So we didn't exercise 
You know, your parents didn't say to you, you know, go outside and exercise. You know, you went outside to play, right? That's what you did. You weren't thinking about sets and reps and, 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 you know, how far can we run? And, you know, should we do our HIIT play today, you know, <laughs> or resistance training by piggyback carrying? That's not, that's not how we, we thought about movement. The driver was having fun. If it was enjoyable, let's do it. If there's an element of risk, let's try it out, right? Uh, that's, that's how we approach movement as kids. And so I wanted to maintain the inner child that I have and think about how I can motivate myself to have a better love affair with movement. Because to be honest, most people hate exercise. It's not, our, our DNA shirks from physical activity, right? We would rather be sat and fed grapes uh, than to move, right? The reason we do it is because we have to. The reason we do it is because we know it's, there's a benefit in doing so. Um, but, you know, we're designed to conserve, conserve energy because we don't necessarily know where our next meal is going to come from, right? So we make really good choices about, about movement. And part of that means now that we have devices doing lots of the work for us uh, and making life more convenient for us, we take that option. So exercise is a modern construct developed because we are less active than we once were. But it means that it's, it's really difficult to get to grips with. So that was a problem that I tried to solve. Like why do people join gyms in early January, New Year's resolutions, but by the end of January, most people quit? Why do gyms thrive in the fact that even though they may have a 1,000 members, they rely on the fact only 100 uh, of those members will attend regularly? What, why, why is that the case? Why do people sign up to, to do charity runs and that's the only way they can motivate themselves to do it because they're raising money for charity. You know, uh, why, why is that the case? And I just feel most of the time it's because exercise is deemed as being punishing and a chore uh, and is not necessarily enjoyable. So that's what Primal Play is about, making sure we have natural, functional, primal, instinctive movement, but using play as a vehicle to make it more enjoyable. So I, I take that recipe of being a kid, some of the childhood games that we would play and make them something that's accessible to all. So I, I'm sure, as you remember, Cindy, uh, there were people at Terry Wars conference, you know, with different states of mobility, you know, some in wheelchairs, yeah. some with walking sticks, and they were still able to play uh, these games mm. uh, that I've adapted to make sure they're accessible to, to all. And they're having a smile on their face and they're, they're all working, uh, you know, to their ability but having fun with movement. So that was, what, that was the problem that I wanted to, the, the puzzle that I tried to solve. Mm. Uh, and I believe it's one of the solutions to ensure more of us can start having a better love affair with movement. Because to be honest, even for myself, who's passionate, well, I tried to be passionate about exercise and I was fooling myself. I was kidding myself. I was beating at myself in the gym. I was highly competitive, which I felt was the way that I could maintain that sustainable practice with exercise. But I was bored silly oftentimes and I was like clock watching going, when is this session going to end? Because I know it's good for me, but oh my goodness, I can't wait for this to finish. Now I fall in love with movement again. Now I, I seek out opportunities to have fun with movement. So if I go to my local park, there is no way I could just run for five kilometers round and round, you know, like thinking, okay, I've achieved something. If I was going to go for a run, I'd have to interact with my environment. 
I have to climb a tree. I'd have to crawl on the ground. I've got to, if I see a friend, I've got to piggyback, carry them and go, you know, that, you know, play tag or that that's now how I think about movement, not the way of just this kind of sequential rhythmic patterns of movement, which is what exercise is. So I know it's a fairly <laughs> elaborate explanation as to, as to how I developed primal play. But uh, if we are really going to want to tackle this problem of a sedentary lifestyle, you know, people aren't using the stairs. You know, the amount of times, I mean, you, look at our environment around us. Mm. Take, take, a, a, you know, take a look at the next time you, you see some stairs and there's an escalator next to it. How many people take the escalator? Even if it's only 10, 15 meters, you know, flights, you know a few flights of stairs, people don't want to walk, you know, oftentimes. They'll take the elevator. They'll take, they'll take a lift. They'll, you know, they'll take a car for five, 10 minute journey rather than, rather than walking. That's what most, the majority of people would do, even if they have the ability to do so. So, um, yeah, anyway, that we, that's the problem we need to solve. How do we get people, encourage people to be more active, to have more fun doing so, um, and to have a lifelong love affair with, with movement, with physical activity? And I think that that's a really big call because I'm just sitting here listening to everything that you're saying and, you know, totally in awe. Um, and what's really, really interesting, I come from a similar background to yourself where I was changed the, to the desk and the company that I worked for took their pound of flesh and they owned me for my pay. So I didn't, my priority was my career. My priority was building my um my, my knowledge base so that I could be of value in mm. my working environment. So it wasn't about health and well-being for me. It was about getting up the earliest, being the first one in and the last one to leave and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But it was, what I'm finding really interesting now that I'm in a different phase of my life, what I'm finding very interesting is all of the different solutions that are popping up to help people be more functional in their movement I still don't feel for myself that anybody has got it quite right, which is why I'm so interested to talk to you on today's podcast because I look at all the different gyms and, yes, you go to the gym and it's boring as all get up and get out of here. It's excruciating. And then yep. I, look at, I look at other solutions like, um, you know, and I go to F45 and, you know, most of the time I love it. But mm. there's, still, there's, there's still that methodology that you have to whip yourself into submission. And as a woman, uh, and I'm in my mid-40s, there are some days I refuse to beat myself. I refuse to whip myself. And there are days mm -hmm. where all I want to do is yoga and there are days mm -hmm. where I don't want to do a damn thing. Yes. And, <laughs> and if I'm to listen to society, I'm lazy or I'm not doing all of the things that I should be doing, yet I'm so tired from the inside out that if I was to do anything, all I'd be doing is sending myself into, I just, I'd give myself the flu because I'd wear myself out or I'd give myself something else because my body would be crying for rest. Yes. Can you, can you talk through that balance that I'm finding so many particular, well, obviously I speak to women, so I'm finding so many women who feel the same way, but there isn't a solution that encompasses everything. You're either 
just doing yoga or you're just bashing yourself up or you're trying to have a balance of both, but then your membership to both of those lands up being $5,000 for the year. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, um, okay. So in my, in my book, I mean, and in my approach in general, uh, as I said earlier, that if we think about movement as being a well-balanced diet, okay? So whatever your, whatever your kind of get well, eat well plate is, whatever, whatever that is for you. So I know we're pretty, much, we're pretty much on the same page there in terms of what we deem to be, to be real food and what we, what we avoid and what we cherish from, from food. We should also have the same approach to movement. So for example, if I only have yoga on my plate, if I only have this very low intensity, you know, let's focus on being in this blissful, mindful place, listening to Enya in a chill out space, for example, that's not going to give us everything we need for movement. Uh, same, you know, in exactly the same way, if I am just doing very, very high intensity activity as my, my diet, my movement diet, that also isn't going to give me everything that I need. So, we do need some lower intensity work, which is more mindful. We also need higher intensity, vigorous activity, which is also extremely important. We also need things that fill up the rest of the plate coming from movement. So my approach is to ensure that you just don't focus on one thing, that you move in three dimensions, that you move not only by yourself, but with a partner, with a group, that you interact with them, that you interact with your environment, that you're making sure you're getting access to, to nature, that you're, you're filling in the gaps and thinking about what you want from function and longevity. So for me, uh, for me now, I'm thinking far less about having maintaining eight-pack abs or whatever, and I'm thinking far more about I want to be able to get out of my chair in the next decade or two or three or four. That's what I want for movement. I want to maintain independence. I want to be able to play with my grandkids and great-grandkids. That's what I want from, from movement. So once you start thinking about health and longevity with movement rather than thinking about, I want to look good for, on the beach this summer, then you're in, a far better, you're in a far better place. And so I feel most conventional fitness focuses on very short-term gains. You know, you look at fitness magazines you know, what are they bombarded with on, as their headlines? You know, get beach ready, beach body ready in 28 days. You know, uh, drop two dress sizes, you know, that, or whatever. You know, that's what it is. Get bigger biceps, you know, suns out, guns out, uh, no pain, no gain. You know, these and- are the messages that we see and bombarded with all of the time. Um, and, and so if you go to a gym and I say to you, look at all the equipment that I have. Look at all the classes I have. Look at the fluffy towels I have, you know, and the TV screens that you can watch so you're not bored when you're running on a treadmill uh, and the steam room and the sauna and you can get a spa treatment afterwards. You know, I've, I've literally got to sell you all of this additional stuff just to get you inside my gym. Whereas actually, actually you don't need a gym to, to move. You can do it wherever you are. I mean, that's the great thing about movement, right? You can do it wherever you are. And that's why, again, I, I don't want to emphasize that you have to do it outside. You know, I move a lot in my living space. If I'm watching TV, I will squat, I'll crawl around, I'll make sure my remote is nowhere near me. So I'll bear crawl across the room to pick up my remote. I, you know, I, 
I crawl around the floor. I roll off the sofa. I mean, I, I literally am a big kid and, and I have this passion and love and joy for movement, which means I don't think about 30 minutes every day of exercise. I just think about how do I break up sedentary time? I've been sitting reading a book for a while. You know what? I need to move. Let me just get a couple of minutes of movement. Then I'll come back to reading my book. Or why don't I move and, and read my book? You know, is, 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 you know, why don't I do that too? So, so yeah, I think that's a better approach. Thinking about movement snacks, thinking about movement breaks, where you're breaking up sedentary activity. And then by the end of your day, you'll end up doing 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half of movement, which is going to be different intensities, which is going to be very interesting, which isn't going to be just beating yourself up. You know, you're going to be taking yourself through an interesting journey every single day. So my programs, like the Animal Move program, I try to create some structure around changing intensities, changing volumes and duration. So you're not beating up yourself every day. You have some low intensity days. You have some days where you're focusing on posture and kind of flow-based movements. But there are some days when you are pushing yourselves because to be honest, a lot of human beings who tell me that they, are, they do too much in terms of physical activity, maybe they're not doing too much in terms of physical activity. Maybe they're just doing too much of other stuff. You know, so they've got a really highly stressful, chronically stressful job. They've got a demanding home life. You know, they want to be superman or superwoman. And then they decide to beat themselves up in the gym. And that's what's tipping them over the edge. It's everything else that they're doing. Whereas if you are seeking out some stress management practices and if you're making sure that you're having some tender moments in your relationship, you know, and avoiding toxicity in all areas of your life, then you can take part in very demanding physical activities and it's not going to be detrimental to your health. Do you, do you see what I mean? So, so, so yeah, so, so I think, you know, it's all, it's all about balance, but, um, you know, you don't need to be, uh, say, doing yoga to be mindful. I'll give you an example. If you, if you, if the three of you went outside now and played tag, right? The game of tag or catch or it, whatever you call Tiggy, I think you guys call it right in ours. But whatever you guys call that game when you were kids, if you went out to play Tiggy now as adults, you'd be completely in the moment, completely and utterly in the moment, having fun, laughing, playing a game that you played as kids, right? Even though it'd be very, uh, physically um, vigorous, act, vigorous activity, right? You'd be getting out of breath within seconds, <laughs> right? You'd be moving in ways that you haven't done for some, for some time. So even though you're in this state of very stressful physical activity, it'd be very, it's very joyful. It's very helpful to be in. So the solution isn't necessarily avoiding intense physical activity. It's just making sure that you're getting... The, the, the right health benefits from doing so. And kids won't play tag forever, right? They'll know when it's time to stop because they get out of breath. They're like, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> let's play another game, right? Kids, kids do this naturally. They'll know how to vary intensity. They'll know how to make sure that they maintain an interest. They'll know when to stop because their body will say, you know what? Yeah, we need a breather. Then they'll come back in and play again. So they, they naturally take part in interval training. So 
as I said right from the beginning, our reference point should be nature. Our reference point should be our, should be evolution. And if we use these cues, we'll have a healthy relationship with physical activity, and we won't suffer from the side effects. We don't do enough, even those who say that they often that they do. In comparison to our to hunter gatherer populations, you know we're doing nowhere near as much movement as we should be doing. Definitely not of the right types too. Do you know what I love, Daryl? Is that I think you've spoken to our audience with regards to um, the gym. You know the repetitions. Yes. When can I get out of here? How how fast can I be out of here? I really am not enjoying this. You know, I think that you've spoken to them, and I've also believe that you've created an amazing awareness so you know that stair um versus the escalator or the elevator thing yes i don't think they're thinking because i go to the airport a lot and side the escalator is the stairs and nobody takes them i do i just want you to know you taught me that i take And and whenever I find stairs, I've got to take them, you know, and then I feel guilty about using the electricity on the escalator. So I go into that mode too. But Mm -hmm. I I love that what you've done is that you have, first of all, given us an excuse to get out of the gym (laughs) because I'm... Oh, yes. Save some um, money. Yes, save a lot of money. I'm like you. (laughs) I'm not a gym lover. 30 years ago, I came to Queensland um, after living in a very cold like London type of climate, um, I came to Queensland and I never set foot in the gym again because number one, they were hot and smelly. Number two, they were boring. And I Mm. used our beaches, like we live on the beach. So I I started to use it on the beach. So um, thank you for that. I feel better because every morning I get on my bike and I ride past F45. Yes, I ride past you, Karen. Um, (laughs) I ride past F45 and I all see them in there um, doing their thing, and I just kind of go, I haven't paid a cent for my bike. You know, like I, I inherited the bike from my sister 12 years ago, so I haven't paid a cent for my bike. And then I get down to the beach and, you know, I ground myself with no shoes on and then I go for a swim. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit like sometimes I really feel like swimming hard and other times I just want to play. So I listen to my body. And I think you yeah. have permission to listen to our bodies. But you yes. know what you taught me this time? is the remote. <laughs> the remote. <laughs> yes. The remote, the, the, remote, the remote is a good one. And, and you know, and, and to be honest, I think another thing I definitely want to stress is that, uh, again, I don't want to kind of diss the gym experience yeah. because for some of those people, it is the only environment that they have. You know, you, you live in a cold climate. It may be so harsh being outdoors in winter. Thank goodness there are, there are gyms available. But, but, if I'm trying to get more, make movement more accessible for people, then they need to be aware that they can do it anywhere. Yes. So if you've got a beautiful environment, beautiful environment, I mean, I've seen people, I've seen people in gyms looking out at the beach and the ocean, you know, <laughs> the, you know, on a treadmill. And I'm like, why would you, why would you do that? Why are there, you know, when I, when I used to live in Bondi, for example, you know, why are there gyms two minutes away from Bondi beach? Mm with treadmills in like i don't i don't understand if there's stuff that you can't replicate outdoors but you can only do it in a gym arguably that that may be a good idea but if you can do that stuff outdoors why don't you do it <laughs> you know if you can carry your bags up the stairs and give yourself a bit of a, a workout in doing so why don't you do that you're there you're already there right it's it's only going to be a couple of minutes for you to take the stairs why not do that why not get out of breath on a regular basis which isn't just about 
you getting fit, right? Or, you know, or, or being in the gym. So, yeah. So I, I think you're in a wonderful position. You're in a very, you're in a great environment, but there are so many people, Cindy, who wouldn't do what you're doing, who live in that beautiful in- environment, who just go, wow, wow, look at the view. Isn't it great that I live here, but I, I don't want to take, I'm not going to make the best of the environment that I'm in. I live in London for, you know, four seasons, right? <laughs> um, not, the harsh, not the harshest of winters, but still can be pretty brutal. But I, I don't want to be fit and capable only in the summer. So I do go outdoors in the winter. I do go outdoors when it's raining. My clients and I are out when the snow is out. And it's so much fun. We build huge snowballs. You know, we're like lifting and carrying snowballs. We're deadlifting snowballs. We're pushing them overhead. We're like throwing snowballs at each other. I mean, in my opinion, you know, as a kid as well, growing up in this climate, we had so much fun in the winter. We didn't stop playing because, because it was cold outside. So, so there's part of us which needs to toughen up, actually. There's part of us which needs to seek out discomfort because discomfort is what strengthens us. And, and, and that's important for movement as well. Don't just seek out stuff which is always comfortable because that's what led us to only ever taking the elevator. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's comfortable. Oh, I don't even need to walk. I can get to wherever I need to. Isn't this great? Yeah, it is, it is great. It feels great, which is why we do it. So we have to take the inconvenient option sometimes and go, you know what? I don't really want to take the stairs because I know it's going to be take a bit of effort out, out you know, take a bit out of me. But actually, it's better for me to do so. So, so I always seek out those opportunities. I'm like, I, would, I almost never, ever take the lift. Mm. And I'm talking even when there's, I was staying in a hotel once and I was on the 25th floor. And I remember saying to myself, why did I decide to never, ever take the lift? <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, you know what? I am not going to take, you know, my heavy bags, <laughs> right? I was like, I'm going to try it out. And if I can't, if I only get to the 10th floor, I'll just get up at the 10th floor and get the lift there. Do you know what I mean? Like I at least start the process and thinking, let me see how far I can do this. And okay, I got to the 20th floor, 25th floor, whatever it was. And it was a lot of hard work and I was cursing at the end of it and coughing and spluttering at the end of it. But it felt great to realize that my body can still do this stuff. And this is the problem for many. There is going to become a point in time when you're not going to be able to do stuff you used to be able to do. And a lot of that reason is because you didn't do it when you could. Mm. That's, the, that's the problem. You know what I mean? It's like, like I don't want to get out of the chair. And there's a point in time when you can't get out of the chair because you weren't working, your, you, weren't, you weren't squatting enough. Do you know what I mean? You weren't supporting your body weight enough. So I, wanna, I don't want to get to that state if, if at no, all possible. I love how you think. I just, Thank you. You know, I, I think your book, and I think we should – plug your book. Karen's already downloaded it. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank Me you too. so much. Yeah. <laughs> I just think people need to get your book here in Australia and learn how you think because I think that's what it is. Like your, your thought processes have pro- gotten you to doing Primal Play and now to your book, Animal Moves. So we will make sure that um, we put on the show notes um, about your book, Animal Moves, so that everybody knows where they can get it. And, and I just think all of our listeners should be pulling this down and, and, and doing it. Start doing this. And start yes, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, go along to my website, which is primalplay.com, and there's lots, of, uh, there's lots of ideas of how you can create this, like a play-based lifestyle. So, you know, being playful is, is extremely important. 
and and I feel that, as you say, it is a kind of a mindset. Mm-hmm. So I changed my mindset. My first book, for example, was called Paleo Fitness. And, and that book was inspired by me thinking about how can movement, how important is movement for us as humans? How did we evolve with movement? But part of that book was basically telling people, you've got to be hardcore about your fitness, right? You know, work hard, play hard, that, that type of approach. And I recognize that mere mortals, we really struggle with physical activity, you know, we struggle to have a, a healthy relationship. So Primal Play and my book Animal Moves is much more about catering to the majority of individuals mm. who are thinking, how can I have that love affair? Like I can see Dow's really passionate. I can see those people in the gym are really passionate about movement, but I'm not. How can I create that for myself? And this is, this is one way, this is one antidote of ensuring that you can. So trust me when I say that I hate exercise. I actually do. You know, I'm kind of like, a, I feel as if I'm in um, sedentary anonymous or something like that. You know, I, I, had, <laughs> I, 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 I was a sedentary addict for a very long time. I then felt that I cracked it by having this exercise, getting into exercise, but then I became an exercise addict and I wasn't really enjoying it. It was just something to do. And I really enjoyed the end. So I enjoyed the 60 minutes right at the end where I had that endorphin rush. And the runner's high, which people tell you about. But think about it. If you've got to do something for an hour or two hours before you feel good about it, that's not – it's a bit like working, right? If you've got to work and the only time you feel good is at the end of the month when you get the paycheck, that's not the job you want to be doing, right? You want to seek out something that is more, which you're more passionate about. And I feel the same way about movement. If I've got to do something for two hours and then go, oh, wow, that was great at the end of it, <laughs> that's not any good. I want to feel great immediately. I love Instant that, Daryl. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I absolutely Instant love immersion. it. And so I think, there you go. <laughs> I, think, I think our listeners are going to be suitably inspired by what you've shared with us today. We are at the end of our time today. So it, it, but I feel like we could keep mm-hmm. talking to you because there's still so much more to explore around this. Like, you know, you've totally hit the nail on the head where you said, Um, think about what you want from your body and then exercise based on what you want for your body. I think that is a really big aha moment for a lot of our listeners and for me. And just to finish us off now on that note, I think is, is, is really potent for everybody to start to pay attention to um, not how good they look in their genes because that will come naturally, but that will come naturally. That'd be a natural side of it. And I just need to inter- interrupt you. I'm going to be really rude, right? I'm just going to say a great start for people is to not think about exercise. Exercise is optional, right? Exercise is something you have to choose to do, but movement is mandatory. And if you think about that, if you think about the fact that I have to, I have to move, mm. right? Then you can start making better decisions around movement. Then you can start saying, how can I make the process of movement more fun? I because exercise is, a, is, is, as I say, can be off-putting to many people. Mm. So if you're that individual, don't use the word exercise anymore. Just use the word movement. And just, thinking about, just think about how you can have a better love affair with movement. That's oh, where I you love that. Thank you. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I'm just gutted I didn't get to ask my questions oh. around the release of nitric oxide and oxytocin. Oh, sorry, we, 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 yeah, we, we have to now. go. We have to go. <laughs> we need him back. I want him back. Oh, we have to have him back. Yes, because we can do a part, do a part then, two. 
then we yeah. can discuss your 24 hours that need to run, Kimmy. We, yeah. we, I think we'll get you back, Daryl. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been amazing it's been on today's show. Oh. oh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It was worth getting up early in the morning. Oh, so uh, thank, you the, thank you for the boost, the ego boost, at least. Yeah. So adorable. <laughs> thank you for being so pleasurable to look at. I mean, to listen to. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yeah. For all of I our do, listeners yeah. who... <laughs> For all of our listeners who love today's podcast, make sure you go to all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments and your questions right there. You can also post your comments and your questions at all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. We are going to make sure that we put all of Daryl's contact details and where you can download that book and grab your own copy of Animal Moves. I just want to say, get your hands on it, get it into your family and start creating a different conversation around exercise. I bloody love it. Absolutely love it. Join us here next week on Up For A Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we are going to see you as you move with us at the hike around Mont Blanc or the w's.karensmith.com forward slash UFC Up For A Chat. We're going to see you on the hike. See you, everybody. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.